Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. Damn. I mean, shit, like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm just like, damn. I just looked at it and said, you should be ashamed, shawty, you should be ashamed. Well, you suck that man, shawty, you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed, you should be ashamed. Pussy good as fuck in the head off the chain. I can't even breathe. I'm just sitting here thinking what you done to me. You should be ashamed, you should be ashamed. I finally understand why your boyfriend is saying with racism we don't fuck with people who don't support the lgbtq plus community and baby we damn sure don't fuck with anybody who don't love a beautiful black queen baby you see this case when they go low i go low oh you don't let nobody act black and then go home and be white i got two pistols and a pit bull me that's all i need it only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. You think Harriet Tubman was walking around with a fucking nice shiny fucking dress on with a fucking crown on her head when she was taking slaves to freedom? And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. And we are back with the Afrocentric podcast. I'm so excited today. The topic of this episode is called Bringing Back Shame. And today in the studio, I got the one, the only, Miss Corinne Dixon. How you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm excited to have you. Um, before we start, give the people a little introduction to who you are and how we know each other. Okay, so my name is Corinne Dixon. I am currently a senior at Tulum College, majoring in mass communications with a minor in pre-law. And I met Morgan over the summer. We um, completed the Southern Poverty Law Center Advocacy Institute together. Yes, ma'am. And we, you know, we both won the prize. And so we-, we Tell the people how much money we went. I won 15000 but you know, Morgan got well, we all winners in God's eyesight. I, I love it, y'all. Korean is a, big, a visionary. Korean is a, a great speaker. And you're so intelligent. You've always been so impressive um, ever since I've met you. And your work ethic speaks for itself. So that's why I'm glad that we're going to talk about shame, baby. So for this episode, Bringing Back Shame, we are going to be discussing the origins of respectability politics again, as well as the initial purposes to advance the black community through the vision of W.E.B. Du Bois, his idea of the talented 10th, as well as respectability politics. Because I tell you this, even though I got beef with respectability politics, the concept of shame within it, I think the old heads had got that right. I, that was about the only thing that they had got right. So we're going to talk about shame, why we need to bring it back, because we are a very shameless generation right now, and um, we need a little shame to get you niggas back in order. Yeah, 
um, this episode is going to be providing some very thoughtful productions, discussions about shame and its potential benefits. So I'm ready to jump in. Is there anything you want to say to the people before we start? All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! for you before we start into our dialogue now for those who are new here or maybe unfamiliar here at the afrocentric podcast we play a special game called fight mary kill african-american edition so this game has a twist on the classic mary kill concept and in this game i'm gonna give you a couple household names and you are going to decide if you're gonna want to fight them if you would rather marry them or if you want to kill them shoot it up bang bang so are you ready i think i am all right your list judge joe brown charlemagne the god and Steve Harvey, Korean fight, Mary Kill. Okay, I would marry Steve Harvey. Why? For sure. Why? Because it's Steve Harvey. That's not good enough. Like, okay, he got the suit business. He's um he married that woman, took in all the kids, adopted mm. all of them. He a you know a good man. No, he is not Savannah. He is not a good man, Savannah. I thought, I thought he was a good man, a good husband. Steve Harvey is a serial cheater. Oh. Yeah, he was already married, like, in the late 80s, early 90s with, uh, like, a kid or two. Mm -hmm. He was already married. He started doing stand-up. He was cheating on his wife, left that wife and them two kids, and got with another wife, was married for nine years, cheated on her with who he has today, which is Marjorie, Mm -hmm. and he is alleged to have a fair partner. And it's also alleged that, like, Steve Harvey would buy apartments for a lot of the women that he was sleeping with and move them to California so that he could be close to them. So that's communal dick. That's what that is. Oh, well, um... But you know, you stick with it. You know, who am I to judge? But, I mean, he got money, though, so mm-hmm. that kind of, do that kind of, like, help? I mean, it's divided between 12,000 people. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, Charlamagne. That's the, ain't he the one, don't he have the show or something? Yeah, the Breakfast Club. Okay, yeah. Um... And you say Judge Joe Brown? Yeah, that's Big Daddy. Okay, that's the one with the glasses. The old one. Okay. Not Mathis. Oh, okay. Judge Joe Brown. Okay. Well, we can um, we can fight Charlemagne. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Because he kind of he's he kinda all controversial. Yeah, ain't no kind of about oh, it. Okay. Very much. He be having a lot going. He do. And then we can kill Judge Joe Brown. You know what? Because death is already around the corner for the judge. <laughs> so we could just go ahead and put him out of no. his misery. We can do something quick. You know, we ain't yeah. got to shoot him. Like little poison, little rat poison. Yeah, and his drink. Nothing yeah. crazy. Like, we'll sprinkle a little, some, you know, like, some insulin between the toes. You, They're not going to see it on the That's powerful. You know what? Because we could do a good poisoning. I could right. see that for him. And maybe, you know, he could set up a Roth IRA in our names or something. I just feel like. And so. Okay, so final decision. Fight, bear, kill. Okay. Well. Well, I, I mean, I 
I'm a still Mary Steve. Do what you gotta do. I'm a Mary Steve. I'm a five Charlotte and I'm a kid to this Joe Brown. That's powerful, my God, today. Well, thank you so much for playing the game. Everybody's favorite game, Fight, Mary Kill, African American Edition. And my name is Nay, and we are going to be doing a handshake called Shame. Shame, shame, shame. I don't wanna go to Mexico no more, more, more. There's a big fat policeman at the door, door, door. He will hang you by the collar, make you pay a dollar. I don't wanna go to Mexico no more, more, more. Shame. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Now, if you were listening to my last two previous episodes on respectability politics, freestyle three, Martin was killed in a suit, you will hear me more in depthly talk about respectability politics as a whole. But um, what I love about this episode is the fact that it is a leeway into the topic and it is focusing on the relationship between shame and respectability politics within the black community. Now, this relationship is extremely complex and is very multifaceted. So shame is not a vehicle for social justice and shaming people will not help solve the daunting 400 year old problem of racism and white supremacy. But respectability politics does emphasize like the importance of presenting yourself positively as well as adhering to like these mainstream cultural norms. So what I'm trying to say is that because shame is a part of respectability politics Politics, what it does is it helps keep us in line and helps us understand what it is that we need to be doing so that we can move upwards and um, help lift as we climb. So just as a refresher, I want to say that the origins of this term respectability politics can be traced back to W.E.B. Du Bois and his ideas when his ideas focus on the idea that he believed that black people needed to prove their worthiness to be treated as equals by white society. Now, there are both pros and cons to this concept, but let's focus on the pro of it or the politics of shame and the fact that the politics of shame and the idea that's pride within that concept, it really helps plays a role in the shaping of black political discourse. And the politics of shame refers to the use of shame as a tool to help influence political discourse as well as the behavior that is connected to it. Shame, again, is this complex social emotion that really does involve the disgrace or the dishonor of a group of people. And it can be a valuable effect that induces people to behave properly and can be taught through the practices of reading and developing awareness. And you know, Korean, I feel like our society and our generation really does struggle with a lack of awareness. Yes, I definitely think um, now, especially with like the generation that we're in, um, it's definitely something that's not as focused on. Because um, I feel like growing up, my grandma would be like, you don't do that. That's not how you dress. This is, you know, you cover, you govern yourself accordingly. But now the new, you know, new age grandmas are 40. So it's like they don't have that old churchy type of vibe about them 
And so I feel like that's why a lot of this stuff is like snowballing to how it is. That's real. That's real. And to be honest with you, within the black community, shame really is associated with Africanness. So like you should be ashamed of your head looking nappy like that because it's related to Africanness. Or if you've been out all day mowing the lawn and you didn't got darker and you come in and said, damn, you didn't got black, that's because of the Africanness. So like that is the shame that historically has been connected to the black community. And that is a result of slavery, is a result of racism and um, the shame of being shamed, but we don't want to focus on the Africanness part of the shame. What I want us to focus on is the awareness. Like you need to be ashamed of yourself because you're not aware of what's going on around you and the people within your community or what's going on locally in politics and you need to do better. And that's really the whole premise of this episode because it's a lot of things I feel like these folks should be ashamed of. Right. I feel like it's, it should not be more focused on your outer appearance, but more how you carry yourself or how you act. Very much so. And I'm a big believer of paying attention to what people do and not mm-hmm. what people say. You could say X, Y, and Z, but how is you really moving in these streets? And if your, your politics, your words not lining up with your action, well, nigga, you need to be ashamed. What happened to shame? When did it suddenly become wrong for allowing people to feel shameful for their actions? I noticed that today we try to overcorrect the feeling of shame by instead acting grandiose or thinking of ourselves highly than we really ought to. See, when we can't acknowledge our shame, we act out, which causes damage to ourselves and our relationships with others. We refuse to look within ourselves and seek to outsource that feeling by doing whatever is necessary, even if it means projecting that shame onto someone else which is why so many of our people lack accountability today. They don't want to deal with the shame. And the result, what we see going on in the world today, there are no standards. Everyone's free to do whatever it is that they will. And if you dare try to speak against it or seek to correct someone, oh, you will be feeling the shame by the hatred of everyone around you. I feel like there's a healthy shamefacedness that would do well with our people to just keep us humble and remind us of our basic humanity. It was once a shameful thing to be a baby mama and no husband. It was once a shameful thing to even dress a certain way. I feel like a lot of the things that were once shameful in our community are now the things that we glorify and we laugh about and sing about and it's all just to hide the shame so Corinne and I have created and curated a beautiful list of things that black people should really feel ashamed of if they participate in the action of the thought mind process so I'm really I'm really excited to get into this list because you know we are here to condemn we are we are here to make you niggas feel bad we and you should and i want you to take this information and i want it to be stuck in the back of your head so when you get the tripping and you ask yourself damn am i tripping the answer is yes and you can't say that you was not aware of this knowledge now the first category we are going to be talking about or is personal characteristics that can be improved with education and support So the first thing you niggas should be ashamed of is having low reader comprehension skills at your big grown age or even at your little young age. Now, Korean, I say this because, again, I have to throw out this statistic that like 51% of Americans are literate. That mean a lot of these niggas out here can't Can't read. read. And you know what happened when you can't read? You can't write. You can't comprehend either. So you don't know what's going on. You out here just living life based off vibes. Okay? 
So what you need to do is get on that leap pad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need to go and get on YouTube and go talk to Miss Rachel and friends. And I, what I want people to do is get into um, Ebonics and um, the the words, look into Latin and stuff. Cause y'all too, y'all is too grown. Y'all can fuck on these folks, baby mama, baby daddy. You know how to get up here and scam, read tax fraud, do all this stuff, but you can't understand that there's a tonal difference in text message, and you also can't tell me the difference between there, there, and there. So, yeah, y'all should be ashamed. Or your, your, then, then get an attitude when you correct them. Mm-hmm. You should not... It, like you said, at your big age, there's no reason that you do not know this. Well, it, and then on top of that, it also, when it comes to, like, sources, like, not knowing what is, like, a true valid source, especially mm-hmm. when it comes, like, to the internet and stuff, you not knowing who to listen to and who not to listen to, and you basing your whole life and personality based off of it, that's, I feel like that is a, a, a direct result of people having low breed of comprehension skills and you just don't know no better. You ignorant in real life. Cause as a mass communications major, they always tell us not to believe everything you read. Um, and to even, you know, not to, if you hear it, okay, maybe. But if you read it, you need to do your research. You need to be able to look for stuff. You need to know Wikipedia is not a reliable source. No, because what they need to hear is the shade room is not a reliable source. At all. You know how many people put will put money on Facebook articles, Hollywood unlock articles. Like, no, no ma'am. That and that's people only news source. That's all they know. I'm done. I'm done. Cause they probably couldn't even comprehend the conversation we just had right then and there. I mean, I just we just like in the social media age. And so it's so much more widespread as far as, you know, if I see it on social media, if more multiple people are sharing it, this must be true, this must be mainstream media. But at the same time, you have to know, okay, I need to tune in to CNN, MSNBC, and then whenever they're talking about, I need to look it up on my own and see multiple sources that are either, either, either um, confirming or denying said information. But like you said, if you can't even comprehend that much, you won't even know that that's what you need to be doing to even get a better understanding of what's being said. Lost in the South. The next thing that you as a, a I won't say a black person, but as a, an adult in general is personal hygiene and sanitation. Mm-hmm. And I do, I want to speak to the men first and then I will speak on these bitches later. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a grown black man, you are too grown to be walking around with streaks in the back of your underwear. Now, you know what's crazy is, is we sat up there and watched the Funny Marco video with G Herbo and Southside, mm-hmm. and they were sitting up there bullying that boy, and then they zoomed in on the back of Southside draws and seen a streak going out the back of it. Yeah, that nigga didn't pay his sewage bill. So... Like, I that that's the problem. That's the problem. That's the stuff niggas need to be ashamed of. Because how you how, how you hang from outside the club and yo, you got doodle stains on the back of your drawers and right. you still can't get in. That's it. Because they'll be, like, quick to say, oh, you know, I don't wipe because that's gay. I don't need nothing going between my booty. That's gay. Like, you can't, you can be, you know, I'm not saying be homophobic or nothing like that. But at end, you can be, you know, think what you want to think, but you need to be wiping your behind. 
I like seeing men with wet wipes on the back of yes, their toilet. Yes, the dude wipes. Yes. Yes. I do too. I do. I like to see Very that. Much so. Or cotton nail even. Baby, anything. Anything better than two ply. Anything. We want to see angel sauce. You know? But even past the hygiene, like um, like wiping, I want us to focus on flossing. Yes. Let's not focus on the veneers as much as let's focus on just taking care of your teeth. Because all y'all got gingivitis. What? You want to know something that changed my life? One day I was sitting up here and I was watching um, Jocelyn Cabaret. Mm-hmm. And she was getting in on her bitches. She said, some of y'all don't be flossing. I be noticing that. I be seeing food all in your teeth. I'm like, why? That that rotten food you got in your mouth is gonna go straight to your brain. You dead. Come on now, clean up. Spray your pussy open and wash up. Y'all take more time putting on y'all makeup than y'all do with hygiene. Unbelievable. And I said, my God, that is so powerful. And ever since that moment, I've been flossing my life away. But that's that's real. Like that is a hygienic practice that people do not be participating on. And instead of taking care of your teeth, your mouth, you just slap some veneers on some top goals. of it. Every, every black man, you can walk around the street, say somebody to smile. You either see no teeth or gold teeth. My God. Well, you know, that's actually uh an enslavement practice. Mm. That's why it's so deep down here in the South. Did you ever wonder why our black male wore gold teeth? Well, let me tell you about it. During slavery, slaves were denied quality dental and vision care. However, on occasion, slave owner permitted dental surgery to be conducted. This was reserved only for the most valuable male slave. The slave that received the dental work often had copper, tin, and sometimes bronze filling for cavity and replacement. Showing one shiny teeth became notifying that they were important and not to mess with. The sporting gold tooth was started in the South. So when you see a brother or sister sporting a gold tooth, you know where it came from. And also, it showed wealth and freedom for slaves that once worked the field and plantation in Louisiana. So that's why our brothers and sister wear the gold teeth and i never knew that okay all right toodles oh but you look around in these niggas mouth they side tooth be missing yes the one the one yeah yeah and it's the same niggas that had grew up with them gold teeth up in their mouth mm-hmm. and they weren't flossing in they not flossing now but they be licking the mess out of backwoods tongue dry a tongue scraper too yes a flo- you need some floss, a tongue scraper, and some mouthwash. And this don't just go for the men. This go for the women, too. This go for everybody. Cause, and I wouldn't be telling nobody this if I didn't participate in this stuff my own self. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be. What is it? What is this synonym I'm looking for? Throwing rocks in a glass house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I'm not going to talk about it if this ain't something I personally <laughs> participate in. Because I'm a real bitch. Period. Um... When it comes to sanitation too, like washing like hair maintenance and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I understand with the locks. Like, do you want to speak on that? Okay, so I would say this. So tell them you got locks first. Okay. Well, I have locks. I started them in April. So I'm still kind of new to the community, but I did my research before I um started them just so I can like have a better understanding of what it meant to me and all that jazz. 
And so now, like, you know, when I first was toying around with the idea, people had so much to say. You know, I don't think you should lock your hair. Your hair is beautiful. You know, you can do so many things. But at the end of the day, y'all not spending three hours to twist my hair up and 45 minutes to take it down and have it down for a week, then put it in a puff, then put it in the pump. Y'all wasn't doing all that. Mm. That was my decision because it's my hair. Mm -hmm. And so nowadays, you know, I get my hair done every six weeks mm -hmm. on, on the, the, to the day, to the time. On the day. But in between, I don't wash it. I don't do nothing to it mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, I'm, I grease my scalp. I spray my little spray. But I let her do that because I haven't got to the point where I'm comfortable doing, doing your my hair. own hair. But you have someone that regularly maintains your hair for yes. you. Yes. And so, and I still like check on my scalp. You know, I wrap it up every night and all that. And so it's like, I'm in the, people, oh, I love your hair. You're, you know, okay, retwist type vibe on one side. But on the other side, you have the dudes that's, I guess, you know, out of state students or whatever, not from Mississippi. They haven't taken the time to find a loctician um or anything like that and so it's like now i don't want to be around you because you smell mm. and it's not your body it's, it's your, your head. head it smells and you have like like a a whole top of your hair and your your locks boneless because they hanging on by a strand of hair because you haven't washed them you haven't greased your scalp or nothing and so it's like i don't want to be like hey um do you need my people contact information mm. because you you have an odor mm. and it's sour and you contributing to the problem the stigma around locks is so real i know you've seen about the ain't it a boy over in california they keep on getting suspended every mm. couple days and go to iss because of his hair he's not getting a proper education he's not getting a proper instruction Teresha George's 17-year-old son, Daryl, was suspended a second time after returning to class at his Mont Bellevue, Texas school in mid-September. She says the school suspended Daryl because his lock hairstyle violated the district dress code. I'd like to go back to class and do what I do, what I do, do what I need to do to get my education. George says Daryl was suspended for the first time in the same week that the state's Crown Act went into effect. The law prohibits discrimination based on hair texture or style, such as locks and braids. It is a part of who we are. I want them to change their policies. I want them to stop being discriminated, discriminatory against black and brown kids. Not just mine, but any other black and brown kid. The dress code for the Barbers Hill Independent School District states that, quote, male students' hair will not extend at any time below the eyebrows or below the earlobes. A district spokesperson told CNN affiliate KTRK that the hair length rule doesn't conflict with the Crown Act. When reached by CNN, David Bloom, the district's director of communications, said the district was, quote, unable to comment. The family's lawyer said Daryl and his mother have been asked to meet with school officials. George told CNN she's considering legal action. I'm trying to figure out how he's getting violated when Y'all never seen his hair let down. How do y'all know it's below his eyebrows? Like they said, his hair can't be like collar length and all, and his hair is whole well kept and groomed. I know his mama take care of his hair, and he don't. He shouldn't have to cut it off. Right. Nonetheless, the stigma against locks is so negative. People already call them dreads because mm -hmm. people dread dreads. So if you're going to have them take pride in your hair, maintenance them, have an upkeep to it, and don't contribute to the negative stigma. Because if you do, nigga, you need to be ashamed. And that even came up at the station, at the news station, because I had 
just got a retweet when we started. And we were, it was all black students and all of our managers were black, which I thought that was like such a big deal because in the news industry, you mostly just see white people. But to have had all, like in each department, the, the person we went to was black. And so he was like, um, you know, I'm gonna use Corinne as an example. And I'm like, why are you making an example out of me? Not you the token Negro. Okay. And he was like, you know, the way her hair is, you know, a couple of years ago, that would have not been welcome in the station. But now it's like, it's okay. And mind you, I just had a retwist. So it's not like my hair was all over my head. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, put in a style to the back. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, just for somebody to say that. And so the next week we had a panel with some MassCom graduates from Tougaloo. And one of the students asked, you know, how do y'all keep your hair? Because one of the guys on the panel, he had um, two strand twists. And he was saying, you know, they don't care about your hair anymore. Just make sure that it's kept up. So if you if you have locks, make sure you have a retwist or keep them in a ponytail or something like that. Because the second it's all over your head, they're going to complain. They're looking for a problem. Right. Yes. So you can also flip it on his on this on your head too. Like if you as a black person are still contributing to the negative stigma about locks being negative, dirty, nasty, mm-hmm. you need to be ashamed of yourself too. Because you see that people are still fighting for their hair, just just like you're fighting for the right for the way that your hair naturally grow up out your head. It ain't like you chose for your hair to naturally do what it do. So I just feel like that is such a problem. And if you still criticizing people for the way that their hair look, as long like you need to go to sleep. Find something else to do. Find something safe to do. Actually, no, I would suggest them to go run in traffic. I would tell them to go plank in it, actually. (laughs) On a busy day in New York. Mm, my God. No, send them to that Atlanta traffic. <laughs> Ooh, Texas. Yeah, let them see what it do. Mm. I saw a video of a girl who was making a TikTok, and she was talking about how she went to the gym, and the manager had to pull her to the side because she was. they were getting several complaints that she had a strong body odor. So the manager just had to pull her to the side, like, hey, people are complaining that, you know, your, your, your smell is strong. I wanted to repost a video with this for context, but I was like, Mm-mm, it's okay, it's okay. Um, but basically she was in the car pretty much saying like, you know, like, I mean, I'm at the gym. Like, am I not supposed to stink? Am I not supposed to, you know? And I, I'm guessing she was thinking maybe that TikTok would be enraged and would kind of rally around her. Now, I don't know her story. And, you know, I mean, it, it did. It, I'm sure it had to be that bad if you had several people complaining. So I hope that she deals with it. But let me tell you. You cannot pay me. I mean, you cannot pay me to open my mouth to come to this internet and tell you people that people we are complaining to a manager that me I'm hey I can't I can't even finish it. I want us to go back to the days where we had secrets, right? Where we kept some things to ourselves. The internet is making us so comfortable. If that was me, let me tell you, be shame. That to overpower my body. I can't, I won't even cancel my membership. I will just leave. They will never see me again. Hey God. I will pack, I will just, I will leave the United States. I will go to one of those, you know, those indigenous um country uh islands that nobody's supposed to go to. We're not allowed. I will beg them. I say, give me a chance. I will crack coconuts for a living because you cannot pay me to come and open my mouth 
to tell you people TikTok, TikTok of all places. You want to come and tell people on TikTok that they said that you are smelling, and I'm like, does she not have friends? Like you know, okay, even if you don't have friends. Talk to God. Write it down. Say, God, today they say that I'm smelling. You know, you don't have to tell the internet everything. The thing about the internet, the internet will never forget. These, the same internet that will be saying, oh, don't bully, don't bully. That's mean. You're hurting people's feelings. They will, they will drag your name to the They will grab your tongue and they will drag you by that. Like, imagine her, imagine her running for office, you know, 10 years from now. Okay, she's gotten the older thing under control. It was a run for office. TikTok will say, are you not that girl that you couldn't even run soap and water and deodorants on your body? Now you want to come and run for office. The internet is not a place to be telling people all the details of your lives, right? Not all embarrassing moments need to be on a TikTok. Please post what is reasonable, okay? And sometimes you can have some shame. Yeah, it's okay to have shame sometimes. It's not every day that you have to be shameless. A lack of emotional intelligence, if you don't have emotional intelligence, we are asking that you go seek therapy, go seek help, and you need to be ashamed of yourself. So, like, when I say, like, like struggling with emotional intelligence and stuff, like, people who don't have empathy, motherfuckers that can't read the room, people that don't know when to stop talking or when to let stuff go, that's, like, struggling with emotional intelligence. And I just feel like not enough people know or care with it and for us to be going through stuff as a black like as a group of black people like the the fact that we went through 400 years of enslavement segregation we still going through systemic racism police injustice we are required empathy in order to get what we need so that's something that you need to be able to practice because people are also going to be calling on you in order to get help like you we see how the jewish people acting right now and this ain't on no anti-Semitic nothing. Like, okay, the um right now they're going through a war. The Jewish community know they wrong for what they're doing to the Palestinians. So what they doing, instead of taking accountability for their actions, they putting a lot of the blame on us, black people. They got on the news the other day and said the biggest problem to Israel are the young black American population. They the major problem of Israel is with the young generation of the black community. They said we the biggest problem. How we get thrown into any of this? Now where am I in it? And you could have did it. See, can I get I thrown in it? You never apologized. We not even over there with y'all. No, we over here minding our business. Okay, but if you don't have emotional intelligence, you wouldn't be able to even pick up on stuff like that. But the reason why we are a threat to them is because we can relate to the struggle. We can relate to it. We see that they are a minority group, that they are underpopulated, that majority of their population is young children and women, that they don't have access to the internet, food, or electricity, and you are killing them. This is a genocide. And they sitting up here putting the blame on us, but it's because we have the emotional intelligence and the awareness to be able to peep out on it and to be able to advocate on their behalf and speak out they don't want people to speak no they don't but that is that's literally our calling as black people we are the most oppressed we are the most stressed and neglected so we have to speak out when there is a problem so that's something that you need to be regularly practicing as a black person for yourself as an individual as well as 
for your community as a whole. Cause that goes back to like, how can you fill somebody else's cup when your cup is half empty or all the way empty? And so I feel like therapy, or even like, you know, just having a safe person to talk to is very important because we know that a lot of our issues that we have have stemmed from slavery, the systemic racism that we um, experience every day. And it's always, you know, hush, you talking back, all that. So that puts, puts on the front of, okay, if I can't express myself to my mother, my father, then why am I expressing myself to someone else? That and I feel like a lot of people surround themselves with yes men, mm -hmm. especially like a lot of young black men. Korean, I've been asking all summer, since, since the summer, I say, where the niggas at? I say, sister, where the niggas at? And I've been looking for the niggas. I told y'all the niggas are not at church. They not at work. They not at the park. They not at the movie theater. They not at Walmart. I don't know where the day is at. Okay, so they be piled up in a room with the rest of their nigga friends. And all of their nigga friends, so most of the times they be yes men. So they do all that shit. They do all that bitch ass shit. Everybody, you know, all of them want to be toxic. Right. You see this shit with a uh, party, the shit he did with Meg. Mm -hmm. That shit, that's a lack of emotional intelligence. For Meg and the Stallion to get up there to drop Cobra, this entire emotional song, like this is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And we dying for something real, something authentic, something that we could feel. She dropped something right now. She done got shot. She done went through the court process. She is suicidal. She telling motherfuckers she want to kill herself. And, and the only thing that we as a community picked up on was that her boyfriend at the time party was laying in the bed where she's sleeping in and he was getting his stuff. That's the only thing you picked up on. Where's your emotional intelligence in this situation? But for party to make an entire song and re have a rebuttal from that one line she made to make an entire song to, for clout, for attention, for a little bit of money, because you know niggas ain't streaming it for real. That is not going to be in nobody play mix. Ain't nobody going to play that at the club. Like, that is a lack of emotional intelligence and manipulation at best. And that's why, if you don't have emotional intelligence, nigga, you have to be ashamed of yourself. And then it's like men always say they want a woman. They want somebody to stay at home, take care of them. You can't take care of yourself. Yes. So you, you trying to get me to take care of you. When you can't take care of yourself, and if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of me. No, and it take that it take that type of intelligence to understand that running a household and running a family in and of itself is tiring and draining. And then I gotta raise you as a child because your mama um, was raising you up until you turned twenty five, and you you want to get home and you want to kick your feet up and not do anything and relax and expect your dinner and shit. Like, like no. They let you know that they struggling with their lack of an intelligence. Right. And then the excuse would be, well, I'm paying the bills. So the least you can do is cook, clean, take care of the kids. And fuck me whenever I ask for it. And I am in the ass on my birthday. But how do you know if you have a low emotional intelligence? So CNBC has an article by Dr. Courtney Warren that unpacks this for us. And I really like it because it highlights particular phrases that people with low emotional intelligence often use. So we're gonna talk through each of them and explain why those phrases mean you might have a low EQ. First is, I'm not changing, this is who I am. And this really speaks to a lack of capacity for growth. People with a low EQ often think, I can't change. Or two, I don't care how you feel. 
This one's pretty obvious. Having a high EQ means you do care how people feel. It means you do have capacity for empathy. Number three, it's your fault I'm feeling this way. Emotional intelligence means that you understand that feelings come from lots of places, not just externally. I admit I'm guilty of this sometimes. You're just wrong. Emotionally intelligent people look for nuance. They recognize that there isn't always a right or wrong answer, that things are complicated. Number five, stop being crazy. Emotionally intelligent people acknowledge other people's experiences and they don't write them off as emotional instability. Number six is gonna be tough for people. It's I can't forgive you. Emotionally intelligent people try to understand things from another person's perspective and that makes them more open to forgiveness. Finally, a variation of an earlier one, your feelings are irrational. Emotionally intelligent people don't write off or disregard other people's feelings. The biggest thing would probably be like we had just discussed therapy because even in my own personal experience, people would be like, Oh, you know, you paying money to go talk, tell somebody about your problem. You can talk to your friend or whatever. But it's like you be needing a, um, a third party person that's not involved in your life to be able to give you that type of advice on things like that. And so I just feel like it's something that we should put more stock in and more emphasis on, especially because we are in this age now where it's so much social media um, things going on. Like you said, problems around the world that can affect us mentally, physically, emotionally, all that. But we don't have the information or the education to say, hey, I know I need help or hey, I need medication because we're so caught up on, oh, I'm, you know, that's not being a man of me. I'm a man. I can just suck it up. But it's like, no, you need help. Yes. Um, on that topic, I also want to say that, like, especially for older people, like you need therapy outside of the church. And I think that is a, a really big thing, especially in the South. You know, the South has more mental health cases than any other part in the United States. And there is a low therapist count. It's hard to find a therapist. And I think that a lot of people use religion and the divine as a way to like, you know, get through hard times, which is understandable. But a lot of times, you know, like a lot of the coaches and the speakers and the, uh, what is it, the uh, elders and the apostles and all them, they don't be certified in nothing but the blood. And like, sometimes you need, like people be so traumatized, they don't even realize how traumatized they are or how much stuff that they suppress like really like real life like you know your brain will protect you from stuff that will like cause you damage so like you'll be forgetting stuff and you'll be riding down the road one day and you'll it'll just hit you so like you need to get to a therapist that's secular you know and that's not a bad thing and it don't make you a weak person right and that even goes to like just overall um, like you said, there is a lack of support in that area, but it's like also hard because that's when you get your, you know, people aren't really going to school. And if they are, they're going for, you know, a trade or to be a nurse. Like psychology is probably like the last on the list as far as in the medical field in some instances. 
And so I feel like just us as a culture, we need to try to focus more on psychology. And like when we have kids or if we have um, family to talk to, to encourage them, like you said, you can still go to church and get your word, but you need to be also making sure that you're mentally sound and that you're sound enough to be a good person for your family. Because if you're not right, you can't raise them or bring them up in a manner that that would be good and conducive to society. And we need to focus on making this shit affordable. Yes, affordable. It is extremely expensive. And they ought to be ashamed of that shit. Insurance companies need to be ashamed of themselves. Big Pharma need to be big shame. Because they don't even take insurance. You got to pay therapy out of pocket half the time unless you got Medicaid. Or you on a school campus. Yep. And the the therapists on the school campus be running their mouth. Cause um no, this is what they be doing at the HBCU. Cause I know our last um now I don't know now allegedly allegedly allegedly. allegedly. But you know you know how you will see like our school is real small, so you may see the therapist eating lunch Mm. with you know some other workers, and I know that worker run his. You know, my mouth. Oh my so God. I don't want to come sit in there and talk to you. You've been told my business. My God. So we supposed to be encouraging the people to go to therapy and not be nervous. Yeah. So I mean, then you get your little. Well, let me just tell my friend. Then your friend is, ran her mouth. Now the whole school know your business because it's only three hundred students at the school. My God. You gotta be ashamed of yourself, nigga. Real talk. You gotta be ashamed of yourself. All as you is. I think the last one would be teen pregnancy. <laughs> we need some some education and some support. We need sex ed class back in the school. Come on, come on, speak on I it. I had it in when I was in middle school. I think we were in sixth and seventh grade, and we we had a book and everything. We had it would be once a once a month, I think, or once a week. However, it was it wasn't very often, and we would all meet together as a group, everybody. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, you know. This is how you get pregnant. This is where everything go and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's like the girls in here with the boys. Mm-hmm. The boys, oh, I, you know, I already knew that. This is how I get down, all that stuff. Ooh. Then that same year, two of my classmates got pregnant still. Mm-hmm. My God. And one of the girls, which I do believe she was sexually assaulted, but like we weren't close, so I didn't know all her information. But she literally had her baby eighth grade year. And she would like leave school because her mom would be like, send her home the baby crying. I'm not finna watch the baby. So she would check her out of school every day to go be with the baby. And then she ended up getting held back. Like it was so much. But it's like where it was not intentional. Y'all are just doing this because y'all have to. But I feel like it needs to be a separated, like have the girl somewhere, have the boy somewhere. You know, if you need help, if you need any resources, if you need to go to the health department. Here you some condoms, some anything, birth control, something. Let's talk about it. So, number one, I want to say that I'm certified to teach Title IX in the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number one, Title IX is like the sex education for any state. And the state of Mississippi does not allow you to teach anything that's like similar to sex ed. 
what they teach is abstinence-based programs. So they're not teaching you like the different parts of the body. Like you remember when we, if you taking any intro to biology class in college or any basic like higher science class in high school, they would sit down and teach you anatomy. Mm -hmm. It's been people who have taken classes that had to know how many bones was in a hand, mm -hmm. but you will never sit down and see nobody go over the names and parts of, of the vagina. Wow. All these niggas know about is a click. A click, ma. And so, like, they they not they not educated on the vulva. They not educated on the mons pubis. They not they they don't know about the birth canal. They don't right. know about the service. And so, again, you are in a location where people are already ignorant. And then we are in a location that's so highly religious. Mm -hmm. So at home, you are only, especially in black households, you are only taught that boys want one thing. Yep. And you better not give it to them. And then they put so much fear into you, you don't feel comfortable talking to them about anything at all. Like, at all, at all. So you, you have people who are curious who are sex deprived and not well educated about sex at all. And it does need to be taught in a more modernized way, mm -hmm. uh, in a way that makes people feel comfortable. And you're right. I do feel like, I don't feel like they need to be separated. I feel like sex or bathroom talk or anything like this, it needs to be normalized mm -hmm. because like once you get to separating people and stuff, like people, they act differently. When boys talk about sex, they'll talk about a specific thing and girls hear a whole different conversation. Right. It needs to be in one group and it needs to be normalized and in an atmosphere where people can learn and they don't feel uncomfortable and it's healthy. Right. Because they already know, like most most middle schoolers, they already know about all this stuff. They know about it. Like when I was working at the Boys and Girls Club, I had a kid. He was probably nine years old. He got caught watching porn on his phone. At nine? Yes. Him and his friend. But like, I feel like that goes back to the real, the proper terms. Because now I know now, the, you know, like the newer age parents, they're trying to be, I guess, more intentional. But growing up, it was like, you know, that's your your special spot or your coochie or whatever the case may be. My God. But it's like. Your mama called it. No, not my mama. No. But I'm just saying, like, as an example. Yeah, that was your pocketbook. Your nether region. Yeah, your yeah. little lady, Miss Missy. Yeah. Your, your nether region. Mm -hmm. That's what my grandma said. Your kitty cat. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like. Now, if something does happen or, you know, I can't properly tell you what's going on because I don't know how to communicate it. And exactly. that's exactly so like you are seeing like toddlers, especially because girls. So they just ran a study. Um, They like tested over 100 men and they asked them if you could get away with having sex with a minor, would you if there was no social stigma? So it's like it's revealing to the public that. It's more common for men to think about having sex with young children, and it's more young children being assaulted than what we as a society realizes. But because you're not taking the time to tell children, like making them comfortable to be able mm -hmm. to talk to you about it, you you are taking their ability to advocate away from themselves. Like children do not have the words to be able to advocate for themselves, and they're not put in a place where people believe them. Right. Like you remember. 
Kevin Samuels, his ass was talking about if a young girl come up to you and tell you an adult um touching on them, she lying. And this shit is now believed all over the manosphere. Like a lot of these, like, and you'll see people on social media justifying, especially like because pedophiles are in places where children are supposed to be safe. So that's in schools and that's in churches. Like you will see them making up justifications as to why it's okay to have sex with young girls or this, that, and the third. And it's a problem and they getting comfortable. Anytime you see motherfuckers talking on the internet about that shit, they too comfortable. So we need to take the time to educate not only young children, but these adult niggas too about sex, about um the olders, about STDs and STIs, right. because they everywhere there's a high black population, the STD race is ridiculous. Rampant, running rampant. And it's because they don't know no better and they too embarrassed to know the signs or they just don't care. And they just passing it around to everybody. You sleeping with her, she's sleeping with him, he's sleeping with him, he's sleeping with her. Now that's 12 people got it. Yes. And God, they bringing them old school STDs back. They syphilis is on the rise. When last time you heard a nigga having syphilis? That's crazy. That's crazy. But at the end of the day, I mean, and it's not just about like sex either. Like the proper how to, what not to do. Like you said, even the education on as far as what it looks like, how it can be spread. You know, some stuff is through bodily fluids, but some stuff isn't. Like some stuff like blood. that. Exactly. Good. And so that needs to be expressed as well. So you can know, like you said, what to look for, what to know. If you feel a little funny, where you should go, the health department, the emergency room, the clinic. Okay. The Jesus. Okay. Go somewhere. Just don't bring it over here. Amen. You know, one thing that we need to bring back, we need to bring back bullying. I understand we need to all care about each other's mental health, shaka shaka. But with a sense of bullying came decorum. Bring back shame. Because certain things that you people be doing and telling each other, I would take it to the grave. I'm telling you right now, it will be between me and God. Shame is for free. Decorum is for free. So why do we act like it's expensive? So the next genre we will be focusing on is having low self-esteem when it comes to being black. And I swear to God, this ought, right here ought to be littered with shame. Just just trampled with shame. Anyway. Yes, because I feel like as a black person, we have so much pride, like specifically as black people who were born in North America, black people. I feel like we have made blackness cool we have a rich history we have a very vast like culture where although we go through the same things as one there it changes wherever you go throughout the united states and i feel like we have so many reasons to be proud of our blackness so when we start talking about these topics you know if it don't apply let it fly but if the shoe fit Lace it up and put it on. Oh, if the okay, come on now. So the first topic I'm always gonna be focusing on is the snow bunny crisis. Black queens forever, snow bunnies never. I said black queens forever, snow bunnies never. I said black queens forever, snow bunnies never. And I, I feel like that is littered with low self-esteem when it comes to your own blackness. Now I want to place an emphasis on the fact that. Um, interracial love is beautiful and um, no man can tear apart what God has created 
but when you, it's the way you go about dating and supporting your white right. partner the way you act it's the way you act it's the way you act right. okay it's one thing to find your partner and your partner happens to be white or you going about finding a white partner and it's because you can't stand black people and black bitches is ugly and they don't have no cooth and no charisma and they slow and they ratchet like there's a big difference behind it and yeah go ahead and take it from him so i just feel like now you know we in the era like you said of what did you say about the men like the men world manosphere manosphere and so how we just saw the big influx of all these podcasts with the men, mm -hmm. just, just horrible. Any nigga with a podcast that's horrible. talking about relationships need to be shamed right there. Put in prison. I want to say this right now. Don't lie right now. I swear to God, there are a thousand million topics you can talk about. And these niggas only want to talk about relationship and, and love. And that's, it. that's it. Do you like, come on now. It's more shit to talk about. And so within that realm, it's always, okay, you know, you have a white a white partner. Okay, cool. It's not, you know, I love her. She does X, Y, Z for me. Um, she, you know, she has a, a big family. She's family oriented. She loves God. She has goals. It's always, oh, I'm with um, Becky because uh, Brittany don't listen. Um, or, uh -huh. You got uh, Raynesha. Okay. I'm with Becky because Rainisha don't listen. Yeah. She she not submissive. Mm -hmm. She always got an attitude. She always talk back. But when I tell Becky to do something, she do it with no questions asked. And she gonna suck my dick all day. Like, sir, I didn't ask you for that. I asked you, what did you see in Becky? I told you that I like how y'all look together. Yeah. And I'm asking you, you know, how y'all met or whatever the case may be. And you telling me, you ain't said nothing about Becky. You focus on black women. But you going in on Rainisha. You ain't said nothing about the good qualities that Becky has, but you dragging Rainisha by her ponytail through the dirt. Uh, 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 uh. It's the way you act, act, act. Like you said, you you know, we love interracial relationships. Love. you know, when she said pasta and lobster, you know, if it's some pasta and lobster out there, but I don't need the, the man to be like, oh, you know, say for, for example. Come on. I had a white guy try to talk to me. Ooh. And I mean, he looked nice, you know what I'm saying? Whatever the case may be. And he, we get to talking, communicating or whatever. And he says, you're beautiful for a black woman. And we would have fought right then and now. You're the first black woman that I, that I ever found myself attracted to. Boop, upside his head. I'm like, huh? Get what out my car. Saying? Ooh. It's and that's why you don't put yourself in them type of situations, cousin. You don't do that. You don't do that to yourself because you got to love yourself. Right. And you do. And I feel like you should aspire to be with a black person because who else is going to understand your needs, understand the, the cultural history? Like when I when I think about because I have dated in, um, um, let's see not interracially um i be dating them african niggas mm -hmm. that's what i be on sometime when i get bored 
So, like, even when you dating outside of your race or your ethnicity and stuff, you are constantly educating them about your blackness, your history, social context, racism. Like, you not you don't have to do that with another black person if they are up on your education right. level, if they know what time it is. But you got to find it. I just don't want black women to settle. I hate the box that they be putting in. Black men in, they be like, you know, all black men trash, all black women trash. That's not true i do feel like you attract who you are and what you chasing so if you are constantly attracting people um that are negative and doing all this you need to be evaluating yourself right and that goes you remember that conversation that we had in dc how he was saying that the black men need more support he was like the men are out there but y'all need to meet them where they are. But my thing is this, I'm not gonna raise no man. No, baby, these black men need to be supporting each other. Like, niggas love they homeboys. They love they homeboys. They be going together with them. They, but them niggas, I don't know what the fuck they really be talking about when they get together outside of sports and coochie and probably some clothes or music or something. Like, like if you need somebody to talk to, your homeboy you done known since the eighth grade, cause you know these niggas be keeping their relationships for fucking ever. Why you can't like they don't be sitting up there talking to them and telling them when shit wrong, or when shit don't look good, or shit don't sound good, right. or to stop saying shit. Cause black women will stop talking to other black women over stuff like that. Cause they've been a warning them, but that's because they have standards about themselves. They have high self esteem about their blackness. Right. It's certain shit that they won't tolerate. These black men will let shit slide like we we in the disco, baby. Like the flow covered in Crisco, baby. They will let shit slide. Like when you see when when you see black men with white women, and um they they them white women get the getting comfortable and get to calling everybody nigga when they get around or they they'll get around and be doing all this shit they know the gang signs and all that stuff that's a lack of self lack self esteem like do you not care enough to gatekeep or not allow someone to misappropriate your culture because she making the rest of us look bad yep got your sister doing putting in her some box braids and a sew in and it ain't helping nobody it's hurting her edges them bitches is screaming in the front and the back. So, like, you got to stop that. Like, that's why the snow bunny crisis is a problem. And if you participate in the act of bunny love, you need to be put down immediately. <laughs> you just skip the shame. Oh, they ought to be. I feel like you ought to be ashamed of yourself if you acting like that. Like, like it's one thing. For you to be dating outside of your race but it's another thing to not stand up for your race right like it's another thing for when you dating outside of your race and you completely take the identity and culture of your partner and you only identify with it and you neglect your whole race that's the shame of it all like and this that goes back to the next leeway is like when you have a white partner and you produce children because regardless there's no such thing as a half negro nothing if you got one drop of black blood, your black. children black. So once you having these white ch- these children with your white partner, and you like, especially with black men, they refuse to expose them to the culture. 
them white kids be mad because a lot of times them black men will still leave their white mama because these niggas still ain't shit no matter what type of relationship they be in allegedly um then on top of that if you with your partner you will accept the culture of your partner and completely neglect the whole black culture of it all that's why cameron and kaden so fucking all are mad they mad because they don't know nothing about their heritage. They don't like until they get to high school and they friends get help and they teach them about it or they get on social media and learn about it. They having full identity crisis and it's because you failed to expose your children to their culture and it's still, it's a part of them. Regardless right. if you like your culture or not, you are still a part of it and it is your duty as the black parent to expose them to that damn culture. Enrich your child. But again, that is a reflection of having low black self-esteem. So, because I beat hoes up for not claiming they race. Right. Yeah. And when when I go in a room full of white folks, they don't never let me forget I'm a blackie. And it's even worse when, like I said earlier, how you putting down the black race to uplift or to justify what you're doing as if you not black yourself when raised by nobody that was black. Siblings, cousins, auntie, uncle, mama. That is black. black at night. Roach paper. And on top, it's, it don't make sense. Because it's like, if you have a daughter of your own, what would you? how would you feel if a male is telling her this? My thing is always this the lingering hate that a lot of people have when it comes to other black people. So, like, picture it. You, you in high school, and you, you was poor, so you didn't have, like, you know, you didn't have no Jordans. You may have had some shacks on. Mm -hmm. And them bitches may have been leaning a little bit to the side. Or, you know, the tongue was real fat on them. And niggas was making fun of you. The thing about it is, is people seem to have selective memory when it comes to it. So you'll forgive the niggas that bullied you, but you'll never forgive the black women that allegedly bullied you in that situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like they'll be in them situations. And I said, it's like the, a part of our culture is joking. Mm -hmm. Like, and it goes for Irish culture too. Like a large part of how we bond is through joking and making humor out of situations. So niggas get rough in them trenches mm -hmm. and they own a nigga head. They own a nigga back about the size of his neck, about why his head flat in the back. Shit, he can't do nothing about. And you will completely forget that. Deep been your homeboy since the sixth grade. You forgot about all this. You kept your homeboys for life. Right. But you will hate every single black woman that you come in contact with. And it's because a few of them bitches had got in on the shit too. Or one of them was a laughing a little bit too hard for your liking. Mm -hmm. Like you have this selective black memory. And you now you hate all black women. And just like you said, you hate all black women. You trashing all black women. And you done forgot that your grandma black. Your mama. Your daddy black. Your, your niece is black. Your neighbors that you grew up with was black. How do you neglect, how do you negate, neglect, how do you leave a whole culture that uplifted you, surrounded you? Somebody was praying for you. And you completely choose to favor a whole nother race that hates your ass by design. If you participate in that, you need to stay away from me. You need to be put up under the jail and you need to be ashamed, period. If you need some life coaching, depression, suicide, anxiety, low self-esteem, 
Snow Bunny. Brothers, if you suffer from the Snow Bunny crisis and you need Snow Bunny therapy, $75 an hour on the telephone, $100 on the video. Black men suffer from the Snow Bunny crisis. I do give out Snow Bunny rehab life coaching sessions. Snow Bunny rehab life coaching sessions. Snow Bunny rehab life coaching sessions. Text me 215-989-9858. 2159. Black women, if you suffer from snow puppy addiction, Lapita, Lapita and that other sister who both dating that white male. What's his name? What's the what's the what's the other sister with Lapita that's dating the white man? She divorcing a white man, Lapita dating the white man. She divorcing the same white man, Lapita Dayton. Lapita, you need some Wakanda snow puppy therapy. Lapita, please reach out to Dr. Umar for some Wakanda forever snow puppy therapy. You said you need some yellow bunny therapy, some brown bunny therapy, some red bunny therapy, some white bunny therapy. I'm the man you need right here. All the credentials, all the degrees. I'm the man you need. A, a situation or a person that I feel like we should bring shame to as a whole is the Carly Russell situation. Um, Corinne, you want to shed more light on that? So I just feel like. Hold on, you got to tell them who Carly Russell okay, is for okay, what? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Carly Russell, um, from my from what I gathered, was well, we know she's a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. She over there in Alabama. That too. And so she, her boy, her and her boyfriend got into an argument. They broke up, and you know sometimes you will get to the like the oh I wonder if they really care about me. Let me do cause a scene. Like let me go to the hospital and post the hospital bracelet and see who asks me am I okay. You know something like that. Oh okay. Very you know dramatic. You know yeah just just so somebody can unblock you and text you and ask you are you okay because they saw it on somebody else's story type stuff. Mm -hmm. That's you know very much that's the tea. Right. But she took it to another level. Mm. And she faked a, she, a disappearance that she went missing. Mm. So this man got on the news. Um, can somebody help us find her? Where is she? We haven't seen her, haven't heard from her. They started to, got the search team searching all through Alabama. Mm. They found the car. They looking for her mama on the news. If y'all know anything, her line sisters, if y'all know anything, please find her. Please help us find her. Only to find out. That she stole a hundred dollars after register at her job, and faked a disappearance to get that man attention. No, not well. Well, she got his attention now, right? Maybe she got everybody attention. Well, that nigga love her. That's really the point of the story. I it ain't no nigga I can call up right now that'll get on the news for my ass. And so, of course, after they did the investigation, they realized that it was a false claim. And so she ended up being tried. And I think she had to pay a fine and she on probation and all that because you using the police hours. Y'all, these folks hit the ground running for Carly. And these people that's been missing for years. I'm talking about people nationwide. Sex traffic, sex trafficking ring, people that didn't change, got their identity changed. They just, they've been sold on Zillow, whatever they, wherever the case may be. And they had all these resources for that one girl. So it's like now, not only should you be ashamed, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm shaming you, mm -hmm. shameful. Mm -hmm. 
But on top of that, it's like now, next time somebody does come up missing, they're going to be like, oh, this is probably just another Carla situation. Mm. And they ain't going to care. Bitch, you done said everything, girl. You done said it. How long? Did the AKA, is she a part? Is she still a member? Now, that I don't know. My God. Because I know they were, oh, they had posted a national, you know, yeah. please help us find her. Our soror, if you know anything, please help us find her. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And so, of course, after it came out that it was all, you know, a facade, then we were like, oh, you know, her line name was probably criminal mm. or whatever. And so it was just like a whole. See that? And she will make that. And that's why she made it on this miscellaneous list right here, because she made everybody look bad. She made, I'm talking about, I know folks was looking at the AKAs, the chapter that crossed her. They was looking at the school. Line, her line sisters, Good. her family members. The black community as a whole, because you are absolutely right. The fact that there that we, along with trans black women, are have the highest missing cases in the entire United States. It's bitches missing that ain't never went missing before. It ain't missed, if you get what I'm saying. Folks got cold cases going back years. And for the first time in history, we saw real true solidarity amongst us, like nationwide, all of us. Well, I'm talking about we got on this podcast and prayed for Kylie. Mm -hmm. Yes, we, we did. it, sharing it. They had set up a GoFundMe for her family. Y'all, please help us find her. They doing search parties. Sign up here if you want to help us look in the woods for her. Uh, not the woods. The woods. My God. Niggas don't go in the woods. They was out there looking for it. And that's why she need to be ashamed of herself. Real bad. So the Alabama woman who went missing for 49 hours after calling 911 about a toddler wandering alone on the highway now admits none of that ever happened. She was never kidnapped. Police say they received a letter from Carly Russell's lawyer saying she lied to 911 dispatchers. There was never missing child and she herself was never missing well, now she could be facing charges for that hoax there was no kidnapping on thursday july 9th 13th 2023 my client did not see a baby on the side of the road my client did not leave the hoover area when she was identified as a missing person my client did not have any help in this incident but this was a single act done by herself now charges could be coming her way. There was a question you asked yesterday during the news conference. How much did this all cost in terms of this search? That question wasn't answered just yet. It'll be up to district attorney to figure out whether or not to press charges. So the next person that need to be ashamed is not even a person. The friends of Shanquilla Robinson. Did Shanquilla's friends really lure her to Cabo with the intention to hurt her and plan her death? When they were when they got back from the trip with her luggage, what did they tell you happened to your daughter? That she got sick from drinking, it was alcohol. That she got sick from drinking, it was alcohol. Even though it has been weeks since Shanquilla Robinson has passed away, the entire internet is still angry and demanding answers. And just when we thought there was no way that this case could get any worse, the authorities have released some new details and evidence that suggest her death was not an accident and was in fact planned by her own friends. But why did they hate Shanquella that much? Why did they really do it? And what is the FBI saying about this tragedy? 
Shankola Robinson's death has thrown the entire community into confusion in the weeks following the incident. For those who haven't been following the story, we're gonna give you a quick breakdown of the case before we get into the latest details. Shanquella went with six friends to Cabo, Mexico for a birthday trip for one of their friends. They left from North Carolina and Shanquella was in perfect health when she left. The friends she left with were Malik Dyer, Winter Donovan, Elise Hyatt, Dejanae Jackson, her best friend Khalil Cook, and Nazir Wiggins. But Nazir has come forward to claim that he arrived in Cabo a day after the rest of the group and that he wasn't there when the events occurred that led to her death. According to Shanquella's mother, Khalil called her the day after they landed in Cabo to tell her that Shanquella had drunk too much and had alcohol poisoning, so she wasn't feeling too well. He later called back to tell her that medical staff were in their room and were trying to resuscitate Shanquella. And when she passed away, he then told her that the resuscitation attempts had not been successful. Khalil and the rest of the group decided to cut their holiday trip short and return home to North Carolina. And the most bizarre thing is that they left Shanquella's body in Mexico, but they took her luggage with them and Khalil dropped it off at her parents' house. In a recent interview, her mother revealed that Khalil had continued to lie to her when he dropped off her luggage, still claiming that she died from alcohol poisoning. When they, were, when they got back from the trip with her luggage, what did they tell you happened to your daughter? That she got sick from drinking, it was alcohol. That she got sick from drinking, it was alcohol. Now, Khalil used to hang out with her family a lot, so the family knew and trusted him. Even when he got back from Cabo, he would come around the family a lot. But all this changed when the autopsy result came out. Uh, when was the last time you heard from him? I haven't heard from him since the autopsy came back. And that's, about, that's been about two weeks ago or three weeks ago when the autopsy first came back. And I haven't heard from him since. Before we get to the autopsy and how it exposed Khalil and the rest of the friend group, we need to talk about a police report that claimed that her friends had told medical staff that she had drunk lots of alcohol and that she was found dehydrated. Police report from the day she died says guests at the resort called for medical help, claiming she had drunk a lot of alcohol. A doctor said she was, quote, stable but dehydrated, adding that the guests refused to bring her to a hospital. The police report said she went into cardiac arrest and was declared dead at 6 p.m. According to this, her friends had refused to take medical advice to take her to the hospital. And this should have raised red flags with the medics that were attending to that situation. But from what we know now, her friends probably lied to the medics about the alcohol poisoning and the medics didn't probe further. In fact, before her autopsy results came out, the Mexican authorities treated it as an accidental death and didn't investigate further. But then the autopsy contradicted everything about the police report, down to her time of death. According to the police report, she passed away around 6 p.m., but her autopsy refutes this because it lists her time of death as 3 p.m. Now, it's normal to have some time lapse in determining the time of death, but a three-hour difference is just too much, and it suggests that the police report might not be completely correct. Also, the autopsy listed her cause of death as severe spinal cord injury and atlantoaxial subluxation, which is a condition where unstable or excessive movement is present in the first two vertebrae of the neck. 
and it suggested that Shanquella had been the victim of physical attack. Interestingly, the autopsy made no mention of alcohol in her system, and people have pointed out that if she indeed taken enough alcohol to get alcohol poisoning, then- Now, for those who don't know, earlier this summer, Shanquilla Robinson went on a trip with her friends to a part of South America that I cannot recall right now, and they got drunk, and they whooped her on the, they jumped on the beat her so bad and got her overly intoxicated to the point that she passed away in South America when that girl come from North America. You see mm -hmm. them two different separate continents right there. So while she was down there, them jokers got up there and lied. Lied to her mama, lied to her family, lied to the police, lied to the cleaning staff. They lied to the hotel manager. They lied to the news. I believe they got to the point where they were lying to each other. They made it back to America and was lying again and left Shanquilla and her and her soul. I say to that young lady down here. And to that group of black people who was showing their ass internationally, y'all need to be ashamed of y'all selves. And that did go back to the fact that when they say you can't take black people nowhere, that's who the fuck they was referring to. They was referring to that group of people right there because that don't make no sense to me whatsoever. And it goes back to having emotional intelligence, having um, low reader comprehension skills, to know when to stop fighting someone, to know when someone's too intoxicated that they can't control themselves, or to not to sit up there and just lie. Right. And then to have the audacity to go back to their hometowns and try to live a normal lives as if somebody else's blood went on their hands. Disrespectful. Absolutely. And still was oh you know we're we're so sad we don't know what happened and you know we're looking for her and y'all looking for her but y'all came back without her mm-hmm they was looking for her on the airplane come on career keep up baby mm -mm. she yeah. may have been in the cockpit they need to go to prison like because now y'all accomplices y'all are accessories to a crime accessories during and after the fact it's, prison because we now because i don't them folks from their home state because we down here in mississippi them folks know who them folks are now mm -hmm. they're not gonna be able to find no yeah. jobs they're not gonna be able to do like their life is ruined the only thing i can see for them right now is either fast food or social media yeah or amazon this you know what you're right amazon is always hiring mm -hmm. About what, seventeen dollars an hour this, overnight? That's good living for someone that's committed murder. Very much so. Yeah, rather that than prison. Yeah, yeah. Well, you seen in Alabama, they um they hiring them damn workers, the jailers, out to work in fast food. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That sound illegal to me. It well, it's slavery. Well, but that, they doing that in Mississippi. Sending that people to work on the side of the road to pick up the trash. Good. Paying them 10 cents an hour. Oh, yes, baby. They toward they, um years. If I got 50 years, what 10 cents an hour going to do? See, and that should be put on this list. Black men that go to jail just to come out refurn, re, re, what is it? Like realigned and got their lives together. They ought to be ashamed. 
Because to me, it seemed like black men treat jail like an opportunity to get their life together. Why mm-hmm. you couldn't get your life together when you was out here in the free world? Yeah. It's not until these men go to jail that they learn how to read. They learn religion. Right. They learn um, work ethic skills. They actually get on a schedule. They like it. Why you use jail as a reformation tool? And then when you get out of jail, you don't tell other black men not to go to jail. And you really ought to be ashamed of yourself they glamorize it that's how malcolm x became malcolm x they normalized it went to prison became muslim stopped smoking stopped eating pork came out found him a wife had him five kids they use it as a form of reform like you go through a reformation in jail and it's like until they go to jail they do not know how to get it together they just know they don't want to go back like do right the first time or even the second. Now, now you in here the fourth time. You done came in my courtroom the fourth time. Now I got to put you in prison for the rest of your life. And get mad at me when I call you a jailbird. Or a deadbeat. Now you cussing me out. Now, now I got to put you in there for longer because you you doing harm to the judge. Because I got your parole officer number on speed dial. You want me to call him? I can get you right. I can get you right. Do right the first time. And if you've been in jail, do not glamorize, normalize, or romanticize prison life. Anyone that's pushing that narrative, anyone who pushing violence as a whole through music, through the games, through streaming, you ought to be a fucking shame to yourself. I'm going to tell you something I truly believe. I believe we need to send these niggas to war. For sure. Put them on the uh, the, ba- the thing. What the battlefield. The Front line, baby. You don't need the draft. Just put the, the prisoners on them. No, I'm talking about these free niggas too. Oh, them too. Everybody. Don't put me in the draft though because I'm not going. These young men act like they ain't got no sense unless they shoot shit up or if they trying to fight. So send them out there so they can do just that. Send them to Israel. Fuck it. Send them to Afghanistan. <laughs> send them to Iraq. Yes, Kuwait. Yeah, they don't need to be out there around them white folk. Put them around them other folk that that, that that's ain't. Gonna, that's gonna shoot them in their head and not care and not blink, not flinch. Really gonna die about it. Them niggas out there really standing on business. Yeah, all them gang signs you be throwing up don't mean nothing to them folks. Okay, cause the only sign they got is one from my law. Period. Okay, send them out there. Send them to jail. And that's what a lot of these niggas need. A jail and prison and the military create structure for these black men. And if they go to the military, at least they get an opportunity to do some honorable, make some money. You know, all the niggas in the military got Camaros. You don't want a Camaro. A Hellcat. Send them to war. Yeah. Then they'll come back and they'll actually have some sense, maybe. Or they'll have an excuse to not have no sense. Because you got PTSD yeah. and trauma. At least you got justification. Right. Somebody understand. Got some paperwork. And you got some, you know, some 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 insurance or something. Yes, because TRICARE is excellent health care. Excellent. City niggas the war. That's what they need. That's what they need. If they broke, they need to go to war. Right. That's power. Yeah. They homeless. Go to war. Because they be so quick to say it's, you know, like homosexual. Mm-hmm. Sir, you can go up in there Chick Fil A or McDonald's walk somewhere. No, I'm gonna tell you, it's a bunk at Banksy Training. Okay, it's a bad deal. <laughs> Send them niggas to war. An outfit. Okay, some boots. A that, hat. Your homeboy sitting up there talking to you crazy because you can't get to the store to get no reloads. At least if you let the officer do it at Basic Training, you get paid for it. Okay. 
This was confirmed when a video leaked online that showed Shanquella getting hit by one of her friends, Dejanae Jackson. In the video, Dejanae was hitting her repeatedly, even though Shanquella wasn't fighting back. To make things worse, the other people in the group were sitting back watching without attempting to intervene or even asking Dejanae to stop. Khalil could also be heard saying, Quella, can you at least fight back? So from what we know, the autopsy result shows that she could have easily gotten injured in the fight, especially since it was reported that Winter Donovan also hit Shanquella and even slammed her into a wall. Well, as a result of public outcry and indignation, as well as Shanquella's parents' determination to get answers and justice for her, Mexican authorities reopened the investigation into her death, and the FBI also got involved in the investigation. The Mexican police overturned the previous ruling of non-suspicious death and have now ruled it as a femicide. For those who don't know what femicide is, it is simply the of a woman based on her gender. The Mexican authorities believe that Shanquella was in part because of her gender, and this is why they ruled it as a femicide. And if convicted, a person could face up to 60 years in prison. This ruling is one reason that it is believed that Shanquella's death was planned, and most probably before they even left North Carolina at all. People pointed out the fact that her friends watching her get beaten up without saying anything is a clear indicator that this could have been a gang up between them. Things got even more suspicious when another video from the trip leaked online, and it shows that the group was clearly planning something without Shanquella's knowledge or involvement. Hi, what? They, what Gold said, they croup. <laughs> this sent off a lot of red flags for a lot of people because the group was clearly trying to make sure that Shanquella couldn't find them and they didn't want her to hear what they had been talking about. Also, people pointed out that it was shady that they left Mexico so soon after her death. It is believed that the trip could have been an excuse to hurt her in another country, then hurry back to the United States to avoid facing justice in another country. The fact that they left so quickly and left her body in Mexico after only a few hours fueled public opinion that the friends know more than they are saying. People have called out the entire friend group for allegedly planning the entire thing, saying things like, so all of these people involved in Shanquella Robinson's murder need to be arrested and put away for life. If that doesn't happen, not going to be good. It was a planned attack. People have lost all of their morals. And the more I think about the Shanquella Robinson assaults, the angrier I get. They planned this entire thing. They intentionally planned the trip to Mexico to kill her. They intentionally caught her at her most vulnerable and they intentionally recorded it to embarrass her premeditated. And now in recent development, the authorities have seemingly confirmed that her death was premeditated. In fact, Mexican authorities have confirmed that they have issued an arrest warrant for one of her friends who they believe was the main aggressor. They released a statement saying, this case is fully clarified. We even have a court order. There's an arrest warrant issued for the crime of femicide to the detriment of the victim and against an alleged perpetrator. A friend of hers who is the direct aggressor. Actually, it wasn't a quarrel, but instead a direct aggression. We are carrying out all the pertinent procedures such as the Interpol alert and the request for extradition to the United States of America. 
It's about two Americans, the victim and the culprit. While they didn't confirm who it was that the warrant was issued against, it is widely believed that the warrant was issued against Dejeuner because of the video that went viral. While this news has brought a sense of justice to people, it appears that the extradition might not take place because according to an expert, the probability of her being extradited to Mexico is 50-50. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves, you feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to my bitch. A real nigga. Yeah, shout out to them Mississippi niggas. Yeah, yeah, shout, shout out to them Mississippi niggas. niggas. Yeah, big penitentiary tractor dra dragging ass no, niggas. niggas. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they don't talk loud. They whisper. Dangerous niggas whisper. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. Shout out LGBTQ. You are obsessed and sick. And we are back with the big black shout out, the blackest shout out in the world. The big black shout out is an opportunity to help black, circulate black dollars back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems. Now, Korean, who would you like to shout out? So I'm gonna shout out Sweet Tees, Vintage and Thrill. You can, she can be found on Instagram at Sweet Tees. So it would be S-W-E-E-T-T-S. B-N-T-G-T-H-R-I-F-T. And she has um, different clothing, shirts, jeans, different Greek clothing. And so I just feel like she deserved a shout out. This so sweet. Shout out to Sweet Teas. We love us a good t-shirt. You know, ever since Adam and Eve ate their fruit up at the garden, we didn't always had to wear clothes, you know. So we always gonna need a clothing maker. So shout out to her. Um. Anybody else you'd like to shout out, friend? Okay, I'm going to shout out myself. Period. Um, you know, I'm in my senior year. I graduated May the 5th. Come on, man. Be Hopefully money. going to law school. Well, I will be going to law school. Be just trying to figure out what school. Mm -hmm. And I'm also currently in the process of getting my nonprofit up and running. Mm -hmm. It will be called 42 after my grandparents. And it will be catered to creating wheels and trust for black people. And more information will be coming soon. I'm so excited about your advocacy project. Um, with the same with my project, Project Unity. Um, yours with it's funded by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And I've always I've always admired your concept about black people needing um wheels. Do you wanna talk about it a little bit more? Okay, so basically um I came up with the name because my grandparents were married for forty two years. And then my grandmother passed away in November of 2021. And when she passed away, initially, I was under the impression that my grandfather had did not have a will at all. But come to find out, he had a will from when he was in the military. And my great-grandmother was the beneficiary. And she passed away when I was like nine years old. Or maybe, you know, somewhere around that time. And so I'm like, if something were to happen to you or anybody else, your stuff will be sitting here because your beneficiary is no longer living. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to get his the house put in a trust and all the vehicles and the shed. So we are currently working on his living will. Um, my mom is already his, um, what is the health thing called? I don't know, boo. My mom is already his power of attorney. Okay, perfect. So if something happens, she would be the one to say, you know, he needs medical intervention, he doesn't and all that. And so in conversation with some of his siblings, because it was 13 of them, three sets of twins, um, none of his other siblings have wills. 
or have even thought about it or you know they're renting a house or they just got the money in a mattress no you need to put it in an account and put somebody's name on it so if something happens to you because y'all are all up in age y'all have grandkids great grandkids and i just feel like not only do we need to have the education behind why it's so important to leave something behind but we also need to know that it's never anything too small you can put anything on it there's no minimum and so at the age of 18 how we're encouraging students to go and vote or you know register to vote or hey you're an adult now we often need to be encouraging them to get have these conversations with their parents grandparents on who's doing what what they need to be doing to prepare themselves to be able to accept what's being left to them in the will and so i just feel like that's why it was such a need it is and i that is such a brilliant idea and that's why it's so important for all of us i guess to come together and talk because something i would never think about is something you would think about and it's all needed and i think that it's an excellent idea i love it for you so shout out to you korean thank you yes now if you have a black owned business or anyone else that you know owns a business that would like a shout out or needs a little bit of support make sure make sure you are reaching out to me um at my email address this afrocentric podcast at gmail.com Y'all aren't embarrassed for the right reasons. I was watching this girl's video and she said there's nothing more embarrassing to her than being mean. And honestly, she deserves all the awards because it's true, nothing should be more embarrassing than being an asshole. I would rather unsubscribe from life than to be seen being a hater in somebody else's comments. I would rather receive a root canal every day until the end of time than to be caught being rude to anyone in a customer service job. And not just be seen doing the things, but actually to be doing the things. I would rather go toe to toe with Muhammad Ali in his prime than to tear down a complete stranger's appearance. Like we really need to bring back shame, but for the right reasons, you know what I'm saying? Because too many people on social media and in life feel way too comfortable acting ways that they should actually be humiliated about. When it really is so much easier to just not be a hater and mind your business. I don't know, just food for thought. This has been such an amazing and entertaining episode. I feel like we bringing Shane back like it's 1965. Yes. Yes, and that's powerful, you know, because Shane can do a lot. And I think some of us need a little bit in our lives, you know, not to the point where we got anxiety and crippling depression, but a little bit to keep us on the path of righteousness. On our toes. Yeah, I love that. So I want to thank you so much, Corinne, for taking the time out and recording this episode with me. So with that being said, is there anything you would like to say to the Black community before I let you go? Well, before I get to the Black community, I wanted to say thank you for having me. (laughs) But to the Black community, um, I just wanted to say, remember to love yourself and to love others. And through that, we can work together and uplift ourselves because we know that, you know, we're trying to work together and get to where we need to be, but we have to depend on each other to reach that goal. So I just feel like the more that we pay attention to ourselves and support ourselves, the better we can be as a support to others. And so, yeah. The lady, the myth, the legend, this is Miss Corinne Dixon. Thank you so much for choosing to be Afrocentric. 
Now, for my listening audience, I also want to thank you, too, for choosing to be Afrocentric today. Please remember that Black Lives Matter. Make sure to listen and protect Black women and children. And remember that the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is be Black and die. And here at the Afrocentric Podcast, we're just civilized people having civilized conversations. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Is it just me or does it feel like the entire world's morale is off right now? Like, let's bring back shame. Let's bring back when someone does you dirty, they need to reap everything they sow. They need to be able to not be your friend for a minute. They need to be able to be on a timeout. I feel like, again, we don't tell people what they do wrong anymore. We just kind of let them do it. And we let them get away with it more so than anything. Stop letting people get away with half-assed behavior. Bring back shame. It's just, it's not cool anymore, dude. It's like people have high levels of audacity, but low levels of shame. You know what I'm saying? And it just feels like, again, people don't care. (laughs) It feels like the morale in life is off. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone just running buck fucking wild and I need everyone up to relax and have some shame. Okay?